0: Good morning. I'm not gonna lose my faith I'm not gonna lose my peace of mind cause God is good all of the time and I gotta say I don't wanna do joy. Hey. I'm not gonna lose my forgiving heart. I'm not gonna lose my hope. I'm not gonna lose it when the going gets tough. Cause love is always lifting me up. So I guess I Not gonna lose my joy. Look at the world we're living in. We got a lot of stuff going on. And I'm still not going to lose my joy.. No pandemic. no war. No school closings. Nothing is not going to do it. I don't want to. I'm not going to. I don't want to do it. No, I'm not going to lose my joy. So I'll say it one more time. I don't want to do it.
1: going to lose my joy. That is the kind of determination that is written on our hearts this very day. Hello and good morning, good day, heart and soul is round the world. If you don't know who I am, my name is Reverend Angelo Allen. I'm a minister here at Heart and Soul Center of Light. And this is a different look, huh? Well, uh, it's a special look for a special day as we bring into its conclusion our Heart and Soul Center of Light Celebration of Black History Month. Now, if you've been around Heart and Soul Center of Light any length of time, you know that uh, just about every month we have some focus on black history. And in February, Our beloved reverend Dr. Andriette Earle puts a special fine point on that pencil, not only lifting up black history for black history's sake, but also making sure that we weave in an understanding of how spiritual wisdom has informed that experience, that history from The beginning all the way through to modern times. And speaking of Reverend Andriette, maybe you're wondering uh, why she's not here. Well, the reason why is because at the urging of myself and some others and listening to her own inner divine wisdom, Reverend Andriette is taking a holiday. She's having a day off, much deserved and much earned because believe me, uh, as we have for the past three weeks, uh, culminating today, been focusing on uh, black history. Reverend Andriette has poured everything she has, not into the celebratory aspect of it, but also into the teaching aspect of it. She is absolutely um, just putting all of herself into this effort so that, as she says, We get to know that black history is American history, is world history, and is history right now. And so... uh Today is a kind of special presentation. As you can see, um, I'm, what you're looking at is a set design that we have set up here at Heart and Soul Center of Light. Uh, we are indeed in our sanctuary, but this is not going to be a front of the pulpit kind of experience today. If you, uh, you know what, I'm going to give you a first ever behind the scenes peek of where we are at Heart and Soul. Here we are, Say hey! You can see me and Danielle over there working the sound. And um, we're doing that in preparation for something special, which is, well, let me, let me just come down to this kind of, of setup. You know, when a minister of the stature of Dr. Andriette voluntarily takes a Sunday off, particularly after going at it real hard and with some intensity in terms of celebrating Black History Month, well, you know that that leaves a mighty big footprint. Reverend, I'm not commenting on your feet, but it leaves a space for a lot uh, in, in terms of what we're going to do today, which is a, co- uh, a conversation around what we've been covering the last three weeks or what Re- Reverend Dr. Andriette has been covering. So here's the deal. I'm smart enough to know when to call for help. And believe you me, I have called in the cavalry today, the cavalry in the form of none other than our dear friend and minister. Oh, Will Coleman, Ph.D. Yes, indeed. So, Dr. Will, as, as we fondly call him, and I are just going to chop it up today and do kind of a review and make sure that we hit on some of the finer, more nuanced points of spiritual connection that Dr. Andrea has been talking about, low these three weeks. And if you happen to be Uh, one of the diminishing minority of people who don't know who Dr. Will is. Allow me to give you this introduction. Dr. Will Coleman, Will Coleman, PhD, is a theologian and teacher of biblical spirituality. He's originally from Memphis, Tennessee, where he attended Rhodes College and received his Bachelor of Arts degree in religion. Following that, he attended Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, where he earned his Master of Divinity degree with a focus on theology. He went on to receive his Doctorate of Philosophy degree with distinction from the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley, California, right up the street. His gift to humanity has been in teaching individuals and groups in a variety of contexts in the areas of theology and biblical spirituality and he does it fluently in four languages, English, Hebrew, Greek and Latin. He applies principles of Hebrew and Christian Bible study and spirituality for the enrichment of spiritual and psychological health. Will Coleman, Ph.D., also has studied and practiced a wide range of spiritual topics and disciplines within the tradition of the Kabbalah. Dr. Will Coleman understands that Biblical spirituality is rooted in the knowledge that the sacred text called the Bible, which originated in North Af- Northeast Africa, is much more comprehensive as a guide for transformation and consciousness when delivered within the original sounds, symbols, and languages of the Hebrew, Greek, and Latin texts, as opposed to simply the English translations. He recognized early on that this is the true foundation for understanding both Hebrew and Christian spirituality. Will Coleman, PhD, also currently teaches Biblical and Theological Interpretation in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, and Afrocentric spirituality with the Interdenominational Theological Seminary in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Johnny Coleman Theological Seminary in Miami, Florida. And so, with that being said, it is Absolutely, my great honor and privilege to welcome my brother, our teacher and our minister, Will Coleman, PhD. Welcome, Dr. Will.
2: Hello, my brother, and thank you so much for that introduction. I just want to say it's so blessing to be here because, you know, for many years, I would come out there to heart and soul, but now, blessings in the midst of other things, Due to COVID, i can fly out there every sunday and then fly back to atlanta so here i'm, I'm glad to be here I'm absolutely glad to be here so that our dear sister reverend dr andrea Earle, can get some much needed rest because as you've already stated she has put down some knowledge this month and so it's going to take both of us to unpack some some of the things that she's been talking about so uh let me say one other thing too I really want to say thank you to everybody who's uh, supporting this episode of what we're doing now. And I want to say that the music, you know, we could stop, we could, we could just do some exegesis on the music we've heard this morning. And I also want to say to us to remember that when our ancestors were not allowed to read, they made singing their sacred scriptures. I said it again, singing was the sacred scriptures of our ancestors, especially when they were not allowed to read. And that's just absolutely brilliant. And to hear these melodies and songs and affirmations today just takes me to a very deep place. And I hope it does the same thing for the rest of us, that we do not take it for granted, but that we bear in mind that they crafted these songs under duress, and they made these songs their sacred and our sacred scriptures before they were allowed to read the other scriptures that's just a, it's just a, it's a moment it's a moment Absolutely. so too has our sister and and, and, the, and i love the way in which these uh songs are placed in the midst of her messages yes. as another text inside of and alongside the other texts that are being read and i don't want us to miss what is happening when she and or the other liturgists are doing that that the song is a part of the message, A, and B, that the song is a part of our sacred scriptural heritage. So I just give appreciation for that.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. You want Dr. to continue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you for that, and also thank you for lifting up the fact that, you know, we can bring you in a little bit more often because we're using a kind of technology that we haven't done here at Heart and Soul before. For anyone watching, this is live streaming, and we know that live streaming is live, unrehearsed. It is what it is, and so we're going forward with our conversation uh, today. So, Dr. Will, I know that uh, on many a Sunday... You are present with us uh, watching the live streams because I see you pop up in the chat uh, as I'm running the live streams. And uh, you, you know, of course, that at the very beginning of February, uh, Dr. Andriette took us to this uh, sort of topic or subject matter of keeping our eyes on the prize. And the next week she went to this theme of how we got over. And then last week, she talked extensively about how life gets to be the way it is. So I'm thinking that maybe we could approach it a little bit in that order and walk through, yeah, some of of what she talked about. So going back to keeping our eyes on the prize. um, As I stated early on, Reverend Andriette has always emphasized that black history is American history, is world history, is history today. We are living it now. And I'd like to ask you, as someone who has studied the origins of black history and black spiritual experience from African antiquity spanning millennia to the modern day, what do you think Dr. Andriette is trying to tell us here? Black history you know, in American world. Yeah, well, history. extraordinary.
2: History. Yes, uh, what's extraordinary is the, uh, is the way in which she wrote well, first and foremost, the Sankofa image. That is the Sankofa bird that has the, uh, is moving forward, but at the same time is reaching back uh, and, and about to grasp that egg. And we know the formula that goes with that is go back and snatch it. And uh, in, in that context, she's inviting us to recover, the best of the past, bring that into the present, and also go forward into the future. And there's one phrase that she used in that first sermon and it was repeated elsewhere when she said that black history is world history. And as she said that I said, "Mm, that's a whole series of lessons in and of itself because what it made me think about is that history begins not just black history, but human history begins in South Central Africa millions of years ago. And often said to my students, don't think of your history only on this side of the Atlantic, but use your imagination and go back and realize that every human being on this planet who's walking around today, it's Homo sapiens sapien, had their beginnings from a single African woman in South Central Africa and therefore we all are truly children of Africa and any history that has emerged since then our journey around the world is a consequence of humanity beginning in West Africa and populating this entire planet so we are part our more current history is part of a much deeper broader and expansive history of humanity itself over millions of years and we are part of that very beginning so we need to keep that in mind that that's also sankofa is using our imagination to realize that our history truly then literally is world history and we are near the epicenter of it in the ancient past and also in the
1: present yes thank you you know um also, in that first week, Dr. Andriette put a lot of emphasis, as she often does, on our ancestors. She mentioned the fact that our ancestors throughout our history have consistently demonstrated a willingness, a commitment, a kind of perseverance, and determination a, a, I think Valerie Joy is saying about it, I'm not going to lose my joy, in order to move forward together. Now, what strikes me about this, this uh, clearly uh, uh, a real thing that Reverend Andriette has noticed, this moving forward together kind of mentality, is that it seems to fly in the face of the, Modern Western mindset of rugged individualism—this idea of I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps, or um, you know, I take care of mine, you take care of yours, or you know, look out for your own self, mind your business—you know—that kind of rugged individualism. Yeah. Can you yeah. help us understand a little bit this dichotomy and why it's important to understand it?
2: Oh, I think she made it very clear. I'm just going to highlight something about that. What she demonstrated in the examples that she gave us in all three sermons is the uh, are exemplars of communal self-identity, namely Harriet Tubman, uh, Charles uh, Langston, and Frederick Douglass. And what's important about those three individuals is that they chose they chose to have a communal identity. In every case, they could have acquired attained their own freedom. And going about their business, living a quiet life, but something inside of them, ancestrally, something inside of each of them, ancestrally, caused them to make a choice, to not only, not only speak and think for a people, but also to put love in action and to um, to come back. Yeah. In the case of Harriet Tubman, again and again and again and again, to come back and get the community because she had that communal sense of identity and that eloquent speech that we heard by um, the that, that Reverend Dr. Andre recited from um, Charles Langston. Listen to that, how he talked not only about himself or just for himself, but for an entire people. And I believe as I listened to her recite what he said, she just became possessed with ancestral power, knowledge, wisdom, eloquence, all those things flow through him. So too, uh, with the case of Frederick Douglass who certainly could have been uh, free and gone about his business doing, uh, being kind of a local politician, but rather than do that, he chose to again, speak for people all the way up to, as uh, Reverend Adriel said, quoting him, quoting Frederick Douglass, a man among men. Well, I say he was a man above men, given the fact that he was seen as below, but elevated himself above. And I think it's precisely because he did not act uh, only for himself, but he acted for, many many others that he represented and that he and all three of them together now embody. This too I want to say something we should not uh, we should not miss that the examples she gave are examples of what she's talking about and that is contra individualism is not self-made as we made yes. oh, I like that phrase not self-made we made, we made. Yes.
1: thank you thank you Dr. Oh thank Will. you for the question. Absolutely and I'm intrigued in this idea of moving forward together. Um, as you pointed out a moment ago, um, Dr. Andriette very purposefully positions the songs that support the music, and there's something about the power of the word. I remember when I was in school, they talked about the logos. You remember that bit of Greek. Yeah. Um, the the Word of God making itself known through a people. And there's something about the Word that gets embedded in our sacred music. Songs like Wade in the Water seem to carry a a particular kind of power for a people who are determined to move together in in the direction of spiritual liberation. Do you have a, a sense of how that works, how yes. that DNA unfolds?
2: Yeah, and in, in our, in our African tradition, say of Ifa uh, There's something called Ofo Ashe, Ofo Ashe. And Ofo Ashe has the connotation that words are not just uh, enunciations or sounds that we make, but words are also a substance. They are part of reality, they are that which, uh, as it were, creates, shapes, and forms reality. And it turns out this is very consistent also with, as you quoted, the logos, or in Hebrew it's called Davar, Davar, or it's called uh verbum, verbum in the Latin. All three of his connotations are this. Words are not just things that we say, words are also things that we produce because words are stuff. Words are realities, words are transformative actions. Um, and I'm thinking about this right now because I remember this in, in the songs too. For example, the word love is not a noun. The word love is a verb. Yes. God. so when we say the living one is love, what we're identifying is that living power that shaped and formed and created everything is love and that that love is a specific form of action or actions towards creativity, towards liberation, towards freedom because that's what it's about life is about liberation life is about salvation life is about abundance so when we use our words and and i said this earlier this is back to my point our songs of our ancestors are stuff they are word but they also are substances to motivate us you can feel it emotively you can feel the cycle psycho- you can think about it feel it psychologically and if you pay close attention as again Reverend, Audre, Reverend Dr. Ardern said in another case, you put your hands on the plow. yes, And then, like the man at the pool, you got to get up and move. You got to get up and walk. You got to get up and take action. And you got to get up and do that, not just for yourself, not just pro me, but for us. Yes. And, by extension, for humanity. This is why we remember these people, especially during this month, the examples we've seen. Because, I repeat, they chose ordinary people one more point. Ordinary people. You don't have to be extraordinary. Be ordinary and yes. choose
3: yes.
2: to do the extraordinary inside of your ordinary life yes. right where you
1: are. Right where you are. Woo! Thank you for that. I'm, I'm really resonating with what you said about our music as not just being formless, intangible sound. It's substantive stuff that we can grab hold of, and which will uh, deliver its power or unleash its power in, through, and as us. This is rich, and this is deep. This is why we had to go to Atlanta this morning to call in Dr. Will.
2: And bring Atlanta to, and to, bring Atlanta to Oakland, because I, I, I've been so excited in, in everything that uh, Reverend Doctor has been talked about this month. Because again, there is, there are layers and layers, well, we're talking about it, about the word. Mm -hmm. There are layers and layers and layers of what uh, she has suggested, the energy that she's put into it, and the way that she's also attempting to help us shape the stuff of our lives. Absolutely. The shape, the stuff of our breath, the stuff of our meditation, the stuff of our emotions, so that we can see, Mm -hmm. first of all, Keep our eyes on the prize.
1: Yes, sir. Remember yes, sir.
2: how we got over. And then, not just uh, let life be what it is, but also to to shape life how it should be.
1: Ooh, you brought me right shape where life I want us to go.
2: should be. It's yes. not enough simply to accept life as it is. No, no, no. Yeah. You're called to shape
1: it the way it should be. The way it should be. Yes. So, keeping with this idea of eyes on the prize, and then I'm gonna move on to to the next uh, week. But Dr. Andriette reminded us that keeping our eyes on the prize really means something. It means that in order to do that, keep our eyes on the prize, we're gonna have to take our eyes off some other stuff. Now what do you think she me- not only means by that but what is the call to action that she's trying to bring us into
2: well i think here again i think she's, she she says in the messages let go of stuff such as fear things that keep us in a particular place and mindset so that we can't reach out and stretch and imagine and grow beyond current situations. i think it also en- en- encompasses when you say um Keep your eyes on the prize. It's not just these two eyes here, but here again in our African spirituality, you got to cultivate your eyes inside of your eyes. Cultivate the eyes of the deeper part of your mind. The eyes that can see things that are, huh? Hebrews chapter that the, the eyes of faith yes. that can see what does not exist
1: yet. Yes, the eyes of faith into existence
2: and call it to existence. You see, we are free, I'll say it another way. We are free because our ancestors saw us free while they were still in chains. That's why we're free. Even though they were in chains, they saw us free. Ergo, we must be a generation that sees those who are yet to come freer than we are. This is why African Astro Spirituality says, you come here to make the world better than it was when you left. And you are here to make it better so that when you come again, it will be better.
1: Absolutely. Now that can be
2: in, in terms of individual life uh, cycle, but also can be in terms of social, communal, uh, political and economic re- and ecological realities. Yes. That's sankofa. Yes, sir. Cultivating the inner eyes of seeing what is not seen clearly
1: yet yes.
2: and have the willpower to bring it
1: forth. If, uh, amen. If, amen, indeed. The word that's coming up for me is, is like prophesying. It's, it's seeing with that inner faculty, that divine yeah. inner faculty that can foresee the future and draw it into reality. It may take you exactly animations. right. It may take You're exactly right. right. There's two takes.
2: Hebrew words, matter of fact, related mm-hmm. to prophesying. The first is called Roll A. That's what I just referred to. It's the capacity to see, yeah. not just to see things that they're being presented in the news, etc., but to see deeper than what is being shown. That's the first aspect, rule a to see. The second aspect is nevi. It means then to be able to speak about what you see, and also change or participate in the change of what is being seen individually. Yes, but uh, equally and maybe more importantly, collectively. Back to that communal identity rather than the self-made individual identity. We are strong exponentially when we see, when we speak, and when we act about what it is not only that we see, but that which we intend it to be.
1: As we intend it to be. Speak that word, Dr. Will.
2: Well, I'm I'm picking up on what Dr. Andrea Earl has already given us, that's the purpose today.
1: I, you know what? I, I, I feel what like we're we're so blessed. We've got this uh, duality of doctors. We got West Coast doc, East Coast doc, bringing it all together right here at Heart and Soul. So, Heart and
2: Soul. That's exactly Heart right. and
1: Soul. There you go. Could I just say kidding. one of the things that
2: said that I, I, when you said my when she did the piece about it, and you we sing the song, my soul looks back and wonders. wonders. The English does not capture that adequately enough because soul means nephesh. It means my life force, that energizing power that gives me breath. It looks back and it wonders because it knows it has been in a struggle how I got over, how we got over. Yes. Our souls, our life force look back and we look back because we, we've moved from that place. Yes. And we're here now. And we're going forward.
1: Going forward, continual movement. So Dr. Andriette also says that in how we got over, clearly it was our ancestors paving the way, paving the way through their vision of seeing us free and seeing us prosper. Um, The baseline question I have, and and I don't intend to be controversial here, but I really want to ask you, Dr. Will, whose ancestors are we talking about? And when I say that, I mean, are we just talking about black people's ancestors or are we talking about the human connection to those who have gone before who are ancestors, no matter where you come from, what you look like?
2: You are to all ancestors who participate in an ongoing process of freedom and liberation and holders. Remember I said at the outset that my premise is that ultimately we all are Africans. Now some of us might have amnesia, but we all are Africans. That's just yeah. a, a genetic fact. Yeah. Now, when we talk about the particularities of, of the context on this side of the Atlantic, then we also, as she mentioned, we're talking about those who are our allies or who became allies. And I was going uh, to sleep on Friday, and I I thought about that, uh, that uh, among our allies would would have included, quote unquote, white people who also knew something about liberation and who also knew something about being refugees, because they had come from Europe as not all of them came on the Mayflower. No, 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 no. Many of them came under duress as well. And perhaps in that uh, dynamic. Their ancestral memory also of what it means to escape from bondage, persecution, opposition, and then to participate in that for others was awakened. And that's the key. And that's the key to what Robert Andre has been saying as well. You must awaken it. You get to come out of the sleep of kind of uh, of indifference into a motivated place where you can identify with the, the struggle of one Ultimately is the struggle of all and that the quest for freedom and liberation of one of the least of these quote-unquote in a certain uh, Economic and social arrangement is also the quest for all of us. None of us are free until we all
1: are free Yes Absolutely I'm thinking I mean you, you you've brought up so much this idea of coming out of the sleep of indifference, she spoke I'm talking about Dr. Andriette of course about um, Charles Henry Langston who I believe was the grandfather of Langston Hughes who found himself on trial for his (laughs) freedom uh, and at risk of being deported back into chattel slavery and allies rose up around him, in uh, allies who were white and other, showed up to defend and protect to such an extent that even the judge had to, in a fairly apologetic tone, say, you are absolutely right. So uh, just wanted to, to lift that up. And uh, Well, you
2: know, what's interesting about that, too, as you were speaking, is that uh again Reverend Dr. Andreo gave us some backdrop to that that didn't just happen uh in in an isolated place it happened in a in a in the soil of Oberlin and in the soil where uh uh, ideas and actions for freedom for equality had been cultivated in that space in Oberlin so you had an environment you had a uh, you had a consciousness uh, of collaboration uh and participating and again, the struggle and the recognition for liberation. So when there was an intrusion into that soul, they activated themselves. And um, I'm gonna say brother at this point respectfully, but brother Langston had been had been grown and had been cultivated in that soul. He had it ancestrally and he had a context that supported him. And I think that is also the reason that he could be so, so eloquent and also back to seeing and speaking, so prophetic and articulate. And isn't it interesting that the judge uh, is still trying to negotiate, quote unquote, with the law, that's another point she made, with the law that had been written and a higher law that had been invoked yes. by Brother Langston. The higher law that succeed as law presided over the laws, quote unquote, of the land. Because laws are, are written by humans. And since if they're written by humans, they can be changed.
1: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So as we then moved on to last week, Dr. Andriette talked about how life gets to be the way it is. And you know, that comes with a lot of baggage for, for folks <laughs> in, in that um, life seems to not care what you are consistent at. And the Reverend Doctor said that life gets to be the way it is through consistency. And whatever, however you are consistent, whatever you're consistent at, life will always pay off in kind, in the vein of that consistency. Um, if we are consistently holding on to a righteous vision, life pays off that way. If we are consistently holding on to, as you said, uh, you know, uh, an image of fear or doubt or um, uh, any number of things that don't serve us, life pays off in that vein as well. Uh, would you care to say some more about how life gets yes, the way it yes, is? I do,
2: because there's a fascinating twist in that and I think she held it very well. One could say, well, life is the way it is, so I'm not gonna do anything to try to change the way it is. Or one could say, life is the way it is, and I have the power and capacity to change and make it better. You know, I got the farm image, as she was talking about that, of um, soil is soil. If you wanna grow something out of the soil uh, other than weeds and grass, you've got to cultivate that soil. You've got to put something in that soil and you've got to cultivate it so that it brings forth the type of crop that you desire. Here again, when she used the example, example of Frederick Douglass, he could have just remained whoever he was, wherever he was in that context, that quote unquote, or the soil in which he found himself. But something inside of him, some ancestral power inside of him, did not comply, did not stay in that type of soil. He cultivated the soil, the soul, so to speak. And arose out of that context the way it was to also, as I said earlier, make life the way it ought to be. And ergo, here again, not just for himself, because we—he could have had a quiet life on the other side of the Mason-Dixon line, mm-hmm. but like Harry Tubman in a different way, and like uh, Brother uh, Charles Langston in a different way, he chose to go back and fetch go back and fetch those who still were in bondage as an advocate for a better vision of a people and of a nation, and as a spokesperson for a people to a nation. And this is why I say, he's not just a, a man among men, he stands as a man above men in this instance.
1: Absolutely. Also standing as a man among men, as you point out, was Frederick Douglass. And Dr. Andriette spoke about him and his amazing accomplishments um, in the same vein of understanding that his whole life story was about extraordinary power. The power of God living itself through the life of an ordinary person who then shows up as not just an individual, but as somebody who influences the generations over time. Um, I, I, I want to very quickly talk about, you know, uh, this idea Reverend Dr. Andriette talked about. Life gets to be the way it is in two kind of dimensions, the micro and the macro. The micro Mm -hmm. is looking at the individual life. The macro is looking at the larger collective life that we are all living. And every so often, a soul emerges whose profound micro life is so expansive that it influences and creates a direction for a macro kind of thinking in our culture, in our world, in our nation. So uh, Frederick Douglass was absolutely um, one of those people. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really not wanting to miss the opportunity of talking very briefly about how he was seen during his time. I'm talking about Frederick Douglass. In particular, uh, Reverend Dr. Andriette told the story of how he showed up at the White House at the event of Lincoln's second inaugural. And Mm -hmm. Lincoln had just given his inaugural address and uh, for which Frederick Douglass was present and he came in or attempted to come into the White House and was quickly Apprehended yeah. by the White House police who would not yeah. let him in because of his race I mean after all he was trying to walk in the White House while being black there was
2: walking while Being black that's right
1: uh, uh- an unwritten rule that was deeply ensconced in the psyche of the country at that time. But he knew who he was, and he said, I'm not leaving this place until I speak to the president. Someone finally recognized him, alerted the president that he was there, and Lincoln came out and said, ah, there's my friend Douglas, come on in. And then, in my mind, the most phenomenal thing happened, where Frederick Douglass, uh, Lincoln asked Frederick Douglass, so what did you think of my inaugural speech? Which, you know, depending on your point of view, you gotta wonder, is he asking for his appraisal or is he asking for his praise? Either way, It is a profound question to be asking someone who was born in chattel slavery and now finds themselves in the same room with the most powerful person on the planet. And Frederick Douglass demurs and he says, well, Mr. President, there's about a thousand people here who want to shake your hand, and so my opinion couldn't possibly be that important. And Lincoln said, oh, no. I value your opinion more than anyone else in this country. I'm talking about everything that we have lifted up today, being able to see ourselves realizing the vision of the ancestors who saw us free, who saw us empowered, and making the decision as we are actively living uh, black history that we are the Ordinary person living an extraordinary life. Is there more you want to say about this? I'm going on. No, like- <laughs> I think I think that's a, no. I think that's a, that's a, that's an extraordinary
2: uh, summation, and that um, if we take all three of the presentations, messages of Reverend Andre, Reverend Dr. Andre L together, yes. this is the, the, a key point that the microcosmic life lives that we live can become macrocosmic in their implications by being true aid to who we are and cultivating a, certain, a particular type of consciousness that strives for a better world for all i think you've used that model head hard so a better world for all from your own particularity and also do not be paralyzed by circumstances do not be paralyzed by circumstances quote unquote whether they're personal interpersonal social political economic or global but rather be immobilized and emboldened in your own particular space to keep moving forward. And moving forward individually is the basis for moving forward collectively as we inspire others by effect, by what we say, and more importantly, by what we do in our everyday existence. And again, making that choice. Making that choice to be not only for yourself, but through love, which is a verb for others. Thank you, my
1: brother. Yes, indeed. It means we have to stand. We've got to stand for something. And we have to stand in a way that our ancestors kind of demonstrated for us. Standing in grace, remembering grace, and then surrendering to a power that is larger than our human cells. We need to stand in forgiveness. We need to release and simply stand. You know, Valerie Joy Fidmon wrote a song about this, Dr. Will. I think yes. we ought to hear it.
2: I'm glad. I'll be glad to hear it. You need to go ahead and cut that album, too. The Heart and Soul album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you Dr. Will and and Reverend Angelo in my mind, but when I pray to see life God's way, I refuse to see another view, judgment clouds our minds, but seeing strength in our diversity helps break through. Stand. Please remember, grace. Surrender and stand. Forgive. you to be connected with us in all the ways there are to be connected, including following us online, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, turn on the notifications so that you know when service is underway, and that you can make sure that you continue to be with us in community in that way. Family, we're so grateful to have spent time with you together today, and now I pass it back to our beloved Reverend Angelo Allen.
1: Thank you, Reverend Sonia. And I just want to take a few moments to thank Dr. Will once again for being our minister and our teacher here today. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to making this service happen, including everyone who's watching. It's not a service if you're not there watching. So I'm encouraging you to tell your family and friends about this Thing you know called Heart and Soul Center of Light. I want to thank those who have helped us with the technology today. This was our very first time live streaming coast to coast. Well, uh, with with a different destination, bringing that in to our live stream here in Oakland. I want to thank Dr. Reverend Dr. Andriette Earl. For her wisdom, for her grace, and for her good sense to get some rest, yeah. Because we, you know, we can't use no wore-out minister. We need a minister that is revitalized and vibrant, and really bringing it as she has been bringing it. Lo, these twelve long years. And I wanna uh, check in with my good brother, Doctor, once again, Doctor Will. Yes, thank sir. Thank you so much for your wisdom and thank you for your willingness to walk with us on this path today. I wonder, would you be willing to just take us out in prayer?
2: Yes, indeed. So again, as you've already done, I want to thank everyone who's present in the studio, in the sanctuary, everyone who's present by way of this wonderful uh, cyber platform. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to fly out to heart and soul, uh, center of light and uh, for this experience along with you, as I've been doing each week. And I'm definitely uh, appreciative that I have the opportunity to help our dear sister, Reverend doctor Andre Hill get some rest. And I think that's where I want to begin. I want to invite us to center ourselves where we are. And I want us in our imagination to... See her really just getting some rest, and I'm going to use this phrase selfishly taking care of herself on this day, and then let us surround her with beams of love and light and power and renewal and transformation and healing multidimensionally uh, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet that she be invigorated and that she will continue to uh, be able to bring us these gems of wisdom and knowledge and uh, light as she has for 12 years is now and will continue to be and I also invite us to be a blessing to each other we can even extend our hands out to each other as we uh, now recollect the significance of a keeping our eyes on the prize the prize that our ancestors set before us and then recognizing that uh we have come a mighty long way and that we've come over by the power of our life force and that we will continue to be practitioners of overcoming power and thirdly that we will not simply or only accept things as they seem to be or as they present themselves but that we in the microcosmic aspect of our lives will participate in multidimensional Macrocosmic transformation into what things should be. A world that is good for all of us. And not just all of us as humans, but also for other sentient beings, plant life, mineral life, that we have a true ecological awareness and appreciation of Mother Earth in such a time as this. We say, Amen. We say Ashe, we say Aibobo, we say, and so it is, and so we make it.